All right, I'm calling this section Marriage, Divorce, Remarriage, and Local Church Experience. All right, but let's, let's talk about some real life mm. scenarios. Mm. For example, I'm in Northern Arizona pastoring a church. We're kind of the hub of church planting out there. Mormon dominated, New Age dominated. Uh, an older lady, a widow in the church, wants to get married mm -hmm. to a Mormon elder. And so uh, I'm confused mm. <laughs> by mm -hmm. this decision. And so, but I agree to meet with them, if mm -hmm. nothing else, than for the evangelistic to share the right. gospel. That's right, share the gospel. Right. And so I meet with this guy. This guy doesn't have any clue what the difference. He's a Mormon elder, but one of the things I learned about Mormons out there is they don't really know their doctrine any better than a lot of folks I know. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't understand the difference. And I began to, so we got into this huge what's the difference between Christianity and Mormonism right. or not? But it was an interesting scenario for me. Of course, I wouldn't do the wedding. Uh, but before it was over, he heard the gospel, and they went off and got married someplace. Mm -hmm. And I think she ended up becoming a Mormon. So what you know, right. ended up happening. So we lost him in that scenario. And so when when people come to us in real life, uh, and and they're 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 obviously not anywhere close to where to where they ought to be. You know, again, how how are we how are we going to res respond redemptively? Mm -hmm to these kinds of people and, and help them recognize that you, you just don't get it, mm -hmm. you know? And so part of that's through our premarital counseling, I think, but, 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 but how are we going to respond to these kinds of people? How, how, Steve, how are you or how have you? Think of the situation you've gone through. Yeah, you know, there, there are several different categories that come to mind when you bring this up. There is the believer who is a part of the pastor's church that wants to marry an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's a place where pastor is gonna say, this is one of these criteria, I'm not gonna marry you if you're marrying an unbeliever. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's, that needs to be one of your criteria. If that's what, you, what you're gonna have, you need to lay that down, mm -hmm. let people know. If they say, well, well, why won't you do this? Why don't we sit and talk about this? So I think you work through this. That's probably um, uh, a scenario that people as much as any are gonna find themselves in is where a member of their church wants to marry somebody that's, that's not a believer or that claims to be a believer but has no church association, doesn't exhibit any sense in which they're really a believer, have it, have it covenanted together. That's one issue. The, the, and another is they're gonna marry someone who's in another church and uh, that's more common than anything where you have a, a person in your church, young, young lady, young man in your church gonna marry someone else, very difficult. Um, situation from the standpoint of trying to, well, we're going to make sure we're all going to be in the same church. But that's an easy decision that you're going to make. I, I'll marry someone who's a Christian in another church. The, where this other category of an unbeliever comes to bear, though, in the life of this person is where I think that wisdom says, um, in the end, I'm only going to marry two people who are Christians. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to meet and talk with you because he may become a Christian. Mm -hmm. She may become a Christian. So I'll meet with you and I'll talk with you and I'll, I'll spend time uh, working through the, but just know from the outset that this is, this is what, um, it, you know, my goal is to marry two Christian people. Mm -hmm. And there is where the church can say something about the definition of marriage for us in our churches um, that speaks volumes to the culture. That if we're just going to marry people off, 
then we're going to say marriage really doesn't matter. And, right. and there's, not, there's not anything that's valuable about it. But if we say we're going to help to establish Christian marriages, and that's all we're really going to give ourselves over to, um, then in those situations we can be redemptive by saying, I still love you. And if you marry that person, I'm not going to kick you out of the church. I'm not going to stop talking to you. I'll pastor you. I'll still pastor and minister to you, and I'll try to win your husband to Christ. Mm. But just know this is one of these areas I'm not going to do that mm. because of, of uh, what, what the Bible says about marriage. I want to read this question to you because maybe this student will watch the video and they'll get your wise counsel. Mm. This is an actual question I, from one of our students. Okay. How would you counsel, I'm just going to read it, how would you counsel a single, never been married pastor or seminary student, hint, hint, I think, right. about dating a divorced woman? I would be very, 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 very cautious, in part because of what some churches have as expectations <clears throat> for ministers. I mean, one thing we haven't brought up is, and I think a pastor that is divorced, our pastor that marries a divorcee has to recognize, and that is this, some churches are not even going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Some churches are not going to talk to you after the first visit. And mm -hmm. you say, well, I think their view is too narrow, too restrictive. But such of you can be defended. I've got mm -hmm. really good friends, right. as we all do, yep. that hold the most strict possible view. And what I tell them is this, you can't allow that to make you bitter. You cannot allow that to mm -hmm. become an area where you fester over it. If so, then you're probably disqualified to pastor on some other grounds. Mm -hmm. Just realize that if there is a divorce in your life or your mate's life, there are going to be some limitations from a human perspective as to where you minister and what you do. So recognizing that's reality I would be very careful and I would move very cautiously. Even as Steve alluded to earlier, perhaps this person has a biblically justifiable reason for the divorce. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, there may be some things in their personality, in the way that they acted and conducted themselves in the marriage that contributed to it. Mm -hmm. It's seldom that you have a 100% uh, guilty party right. and a 100% innocent party. So I would be asking lots of questions and I would be moving very, very carefully, very, very cautiously. Can I say no? No, I can't say no, mm -hmm. but I can say be very, very, very careful. Especially depending upon why the divorce took place. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That, and, that, and that is so wise from the standpoint of, in, in a sense, uh, we want to be cautious about anybody that we marry. Mm -hmm. um, yes. But when there is some sort of evidence that there have been issues in the past, um, whatever I would, they are, that whatever those might would be, I, I wouldn't say that that should cast. You know, we, that this should be a, a means for us to castigate single women, and that a, a seminary student could never date uh, a woman who has been divorced. But to be very cautious, especially most seminary students are going to be young men. Um, if if they're dating a young woman who has been divorced recently, um, you know, there may have been circumstances that contributed to that. Uh, you know, she may have gotten married when she was in college. At, 18 or 19 years old and became a Christian. There could be, so I think it's circumstantial the way that, that Dr. Aiken put it, put it is, is exactly right. Um, I, I think only to, to speak to the other side of that for just a moment, um, you know, there are a lot of churches that wouldn't call a pastor who was in an interracial marriage wow. either. Interesting. Yeah. And if we're convinced that there are redemptive elements uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, in remarriage, or at least that, that, that Divorced people can, 
can uh, have marriages and be remarried, then, um, you know, I, I think we need to, even though we need to be wise about dating, because we're not talking about marrying a, a divorced person, we're talking about dating a divorced person. Um, I, we, we had a student here about 15 years ago um, who was an older student. He'd been a Marine for a long time and uh, got out of the Marines, came to seminary, uh, was dating a woman that was, that was his age, and he was, he was a little older, who had been divorced uh, a number of years before because her husband had left her. She had become a Christian after that mm. and had someone say that, you know, the, the Old Testament says that a priest can't marry a woman right. who's been divorced. Yeah. So therefore you can't do that either. And he, he broke her heart and walked off and they had been dating for some time. Uh, and I think that probably wasn't the best counsel. It certainly wasn't the best exegesis of that text mm, no. and, and application yeah. of that text. Yeah, you're referring, I think it's, I have it actually written down, it's Leviticus 21.7. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I think, I, I think uh, to misapply the Bible like that not only hurt this young man mm -hmm. um, at, the, at the time, it hurt this young woman at the time, but it also made her, she was a, she was a student here as well. Uh, and again, it was about 15 years ago. And she, um, you know, she left and, and felt like she had just been uh, you know, accused all over again of some sin. And uh, I, I think that probably wasn't a wise thing to do. But from the standpoint of the seminary student or the young pastor um, who is looking for who is he going to ask out on a date, mm -hmm. who are the, I, I think he should be pursuing godly, godly women. And if in the end she happens to be someone that that has happened with and she's living a godly life, and she, that's, a, that, that's one thing. If it's just he's going around, he's meeting some girl, and he met her at church, and I think I want to go out with her now, and uh, I think he needs to be very cautious and show, show some more wisdom than, than that. You know, one of the things as, as a pastor I, I often heard from people who were divorced or people who were just sensitive to the issue was, was were the, what they would refer to as the double standard yeah. of divorce as the unpardonable sin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could be a murderer, I right. could have been a rapist, yeah. I could have, you know, been a child molester, That's I could have been almost anything in the world and then been saved yep. or whatever, and I would be just fine. But because I was divorced back there, I'm not right. for some reason. And there's the big D, yeah, that's right. as you mentioned. Or even not become saved. Could actually be a Christian and have done those things and be rehabilitated from yeah. that. And, and, and be, some people say it's and okay. And be put on the stage for their testimony. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they used yeah, to speak say. Speak at church. Be on the 700 yeah. Club. That's right. Yeah. 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 And so how do, how, do we, how do we help the church think through that a little more clearly, perhaps? Any thoughts about that? Any wisdom? Well, I think, again, that's why I'm so grateful that Southeastern is committed to expository preaching, yeah. where you Preach work the through the whole canon of Scripture, and you come to these very difficult passages. Anybody that says, I am about to do a series on divorce and remarriage, and I'm really looking forward to doing that, <laughs> yeah. they probably need to be in our biblical counseling right. office yes. being treated right. for some type of mental malady. Right. But as you work through the Scriptures, you allow the flow of the grand redemptive story to inform how you look at each individual mm -hmm. text mm -hmm. in its context. And I think as you do that, then you're able to teach your people how to think well, both in terms of truth, mm -hmm. but also in terms of grace and mercy and compassion. And again, Jesus was known for both. Mm -hmm. right. We should be known for both as well. Mm -hmm. That's good. And, and, and I think, John, just living with people. Mm -hmm. um, really being you know, a shepherd. That's right. If, if I'm just around people mm -hmm. who are doing everything right, it's a lot easier for me to uh, speak harshly to those on the outside that are doing things wrong. But when I'm living with the sheep and I'm watching the struggles and the difficulties that they're involved in, then those things like Jesus speaks about and in and, and the early video uh, that you guys were talking about, the way that Jesus approaches this 
It, you know, it's the hardness of people's hearts, not the person who is being wounded that has the hard heart, the other person. Yeah. So when I'm watching this, now all of a sudden I am, I'm empathetic and I'm sympathetic. Um, you know, the, the person who has watched a close loved one go through a divorce tends to approach those things differently than someone who, who's never known a loved one who's gone through that. Mm. Alcoholism is exactly the same thing. Those who have seen what alcoholism does to a person, to a family, tends to view those things differently right. and, to, and tends to be redemptive. You see the alcoholic and you go to save them out of that as opposed to just pushing them aside. Right. And I think that's what happens with divorce. If, if we're being really pastors, we're involved in people's lives, we're seeing what goes on in divorce and we're rushing into those circumstances as early as we can to help redeem and to help and to heal right. and to bring the gospel to play. Hmm. We, we literally just have a couple of minutes left. I, I want to go back and revisit an issue that we were talking about with Dr. Kostenberger earlier, but just because it's it really is the predominant issue in mm. some of these questions. Let's go back to the spousal abuse question mm. for just for a second. Whether it's male or female, pr probably predominantly male beating on female, mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I would assume. Although I don't know that, but I assume. So, so let's talk about that. Is abuse a legitimate reason for divorce? And if a divorce took place because of abuse, is it legitimate, a legitimate reason for remarriage? So where, where are you, Dr. McKinney? So, so if, if it's the case that uh, the examples that were given in, in um, Matthew and in 1 Corinthians aren't the only two kind of escape clauses, yeah. but if they're, they're addressing an issue of breaking this covenant, mm -hmm. um, abandonment, certainly a husband who is beating on his wife it's not keeping those vows, any vows that I've seen in a wedding mm. <laughs> ceremony or any vows that I've given. He's not keeping those. The, so there are two issues that are at stake. First of all is the immediate safety issue. Mm -hmm. if, a, if, if a spouse is being unfaithful, your life isn't at stake necessarily. It, it could be, but it's not necessarily. And so there's, there's some more patience in resolving that. If there's physical abuse, someone's life could be at stake. Mm -hmm. Your kid's life could be, lives could be at stake. Your own life could be at stake. And, and I think that without a doubt, the absolute first step before you even think about divorce is escape, separation. And uh, whether that's putting that person in jail who's doing the abusing or just separating them and getting, getting some other men around him to, to keep him from doing something, um, that, that'd be the first thing. But with, in my opinion, without a doubt, a man who has issues where he cannot control his anger toward a woman or toward children, he has deeper, deeper issues than even sexual infidelity, in my opinion, and, and has disqualified himself from uh, participating in that covenant, certainly for a period of time, mm -hmm. and until that's resolved uh, at, at, at all. So I would say, because of this issue of abandonment, um, that it would be yet another permissible reason for divorce. It's not required. You can stay separated as that person goes through help and healing and be rec reconciled to one another. And I've seen that happen. I, I've seen men who have been uh, just highly abusive uh, to their wives, uh, not, not to their children, uh, but to their wives, they've been very abusive. And uh, as they were separated and uh, the gospel really was spoken into his life and people ministered to him that he came uh, to, be, to, to find some healing and reconciliation with the Lord. And that brought reconciliation in their marriage. Some of my, some of my, my, uh, my best friends 
That's exactly what has happened in their marriage. And they have a wonderful, godly, healthy marriage now. Mm-hmm. But if she had said, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't see where this can be reconciled, I would consider that to be permissible. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that at this point? Um, I'm very quick to recommend uh, periods of separation. Mm-hmm. I'm very hesitant to recommend. In fact, I have to be honest, I've never actually recommended anyone mm-hmm. to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. I never have. Mm-hmm. I've always right. held right. out hope mm-hmm. for reconciliation, mm-hmm. even when it seemed like there was no hope. I realize our God is capable of doing the mm-hmm. impossible, and that's what I pray for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's great. Yeah, man. Well, as we close, I, I just want to thank you uh, again. Thank you, Dr. Aiken, for so much of your time Glad in this whole it. series, and thank you so much, Dr. McKinnon, mm-hmm. uh, for joining this. Um, as we close, we were sharing some recommended resources from Dr. Kostenberger mm-hmm. earlier and some resources. We want you to go on the website, look those resources up. We'll continue to gather those and try to update that list for you. Mm-hmm and uh, continue to add more and more. And so I, hopefully this whole package we've put together is helpful mm-hmm. to the church and helpful to these leaders. So thank you all so much. Thank you.